Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of On the Hunt with myself, Jason Arnold, Byron Zimmerman, Hayden Bircher and Neville Vormerans. I've had a busy couple of weeks and it's proved to be both challenging and rewarding with the last few rescues that I've done. I was called out to a building where a kitten was heard calling for almost 24 hours underneath the building. The call space is really tiny and it makes it difficult for anyone to access the area, so they requested that I go out to assist them. This wasn't the first time that I'd been called out for something along these lines, and whilst it wasn't a snake, it is still an animal in need of rescuing and I was naturally happy to attend the call. When I arrived, I made my way in underneath the building towards the direction of where I anticipated the kitten might be. Sure enough, as I grew closer, the little kitten heard my movement and he responded with desperate meows. Nothing prepared me for the state in which I would find that kitten. The poor little mites had such a severe infection in both eyes and I wasn't even sure whether he would ever see again. I'd already resigned myself to giving him a chance though, so... I took him off to Dr. Kerry Eason and she also seemed very uncertain about his eyes. But between us we decided to give him a chance to see whether those eyes cleared up if he still had his sight underneath. He was very dehydrated when I found him and following the trip to Dr. Eason, I spent a few days with him medicating his eyes, feeding him and trying to get him well. Even though he was so ill, he purred every time I fed him and stroked his fur. Sadly, my efforts proved to be in vain as his little body just could not handle any more. He passed away in his sleep between one of his three hourly round-the-clock feeds. It is very sad that we weren't able to save him, but I do believe that everything happens for a reason, and perhaps we would have had to make the decision at some point to euthanize him anyway if he was blind. At least he was safe, he was warm, he was flea-free, he had a full tummy, and even though he couldn't see me, he knew that he was loved. The second interesting rescue that I'd like to share with you today is for two snakes that were being kept in a poiki pot. The complainant had called to say that he had caught these snakes but was leaving the premises on that very day, and his grandmother wanted them to be removed. I requested him to release them back where he found them, but he requested that I fetch them, and I agreed. I arrived to find a large, gravid olive snake and a bibrin's blind snake inside the pot. I took them both out with my hands, and this always amuses me because people are so surprised. This was funnier still, though, especially in light of the fact that the chap had kept these snakes in this pot for three days prior to my arrival. Anyway, it all turned out well in the end. Both the people and the snakes were undoubtedly relieved to be freed of their respective positions. And that brings us to the final rescue that we'll be sharing with you today. And I'm going to let Jason Arnold tell the story. Um, I required his cat-like stealth to assist me on a call for a green mamba up a tree in a Manzimtoti. How's it, everybody? So today's story is a fine example of how professional snake handlers uh, that work closely with one another uh, can not only help the, the public and the animal but we're also there to help each other when we end up with difficult situations um, so Caitlin responded to a call for a green snake up in a tree and since she was the the closest person um, to the destination she decided to go through there once she arrived she was able to spot the snake up in the tree and establish that it was a green mamba uh, which she was quite capable of handling the problem was that the snake was a little bit high in the tree and she wasn't able to reach it 
and she wasn't keen to climb up into the tree uh, in order to get up to the snake because the branches of the tree were really very thin and flimsy and Caitlin was a bit worried that she was going to end up um, <laughs> falling to her death. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, she could have um, obviously gotten quite badly hurt if she did decide to climb the tree and ended up falling or the branch breaking underneath her or something. So she got in contact with me knowing that I'm very skinny, very loud bodied, very nimble <laughs> and very well versed at climbing trees. So although I was really far away, Caitlin was able to um, stay on the premises, keep an eye on the snake um, so that if it did move, she's at least got eyes on it. And I made my way um, a yeah, out there it was about a 43 kilometer trip um, from my premises to the destination. But at the end of the day when I got there I was able to get up the tree, safely retrieve the snake, safely get myself and the snake down from the tree and it was all a good happy ending. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's good that us professionals can help one another when we do end up in difficult situations like this. And yeah, at the same time, help the snake and help the community that need our assistance. Thank you once again, Jason. And we certainly hope that you guys have enjoyed hearing about our rescues. Now, before I end off, I'd like to pass on some valuable information I received from Carlin, who is the Amanzimtoti Crow Depot. Baby season is upon us, and so it only seems fitting for her to share a bit more about the birds and the bees with us. If you see a baby bird or an animal post, please try to find out where the animal is located in order to guide the person to find a qualified rehabber as opposed to advising on feeding methods yourself. If you have found an animal and you put up a post on Facebook, please state your area so that people can swiftly direct you to a rehabber or a centre near you. Please be considerate and patient during this important time and hold back on any removing or trimming of trees during the breeding season. If you need nests closed up in the roof, please do it once the babies have left their parents. Please do not attempt to feed any animal that you have found as the wrong diet and incorrect feeding methods can kill them. Instead, it is advisable to contact the local rehab center for advice on what to do until you are able to get it to them. Please do not feed any breakfast cereals like Pronutra or Future Life, especially the chocolate-flavored ones. This is deadly for birds. People's common go-to emergency food is Pronutro, the ingredients of which have changed substantially over the last 40 years, and they do not do anything good for birds. Pronutro is made up of dehydrated GMO maize and is super high in sugar, iron and low in protein and nutrients. It also leads to long-term illnesses from poor organ, bone and feather development. Growing birds require protein to develop and Pronutro simply does not provide this. It is after all designed for people and not for birds. It also causes blockages and can act like a cement in the stomach or crop if mixed incorrectly. We must remember that each species of bird has different dietary needs. Some may have a diet only based in animal protein, where others are purely seed eaters. Some may only eat fruit. Others may only eat nectar. And then some may be insectivorous and fruitivorous. So it's pretty easy to see how feeding different birds on the same diet could be quite catastrophic. Imagine feeding an owl fruit. Also, please remember that if you have found an animal or a bird, Please try to find help as soon as possible. 
often people will keep an animal or a bird that they've found for a few days with the best intentions, trying to do whatever they are able to do to assist the animal. But unfortunately, as their health begins to decline, they then feel the need to pass it on. And unfortunately, most often it is too late. Colin has had animals come into her, and I have as well, where the animal has been kept for a certain period. And people are obviously doing this, not with any malice, but they don't realize that they're that the animal is injured and perhaps has broken bones. And if it isn't treated as quickly as possible, the injury will then become permanent and the animal is therefore not treatable or releasable and has to be euthanized as a result. It is illegal to withhold any veterinary treatment from an animal and all wild animals should be treated with a view to releasing them where they belong once they are able. Please do not attempt to raise and release animals by yourself. There is a lot involved and experience is required. By holding onto an animal for too long, you run the risk of it becoming tame, and the same story will occur. The animal will unfortunately not be releasable. If you find a baby bird or an injured animal, I'd like to stress again, remember that it needs help more than it needs food, so make sure that it's warm and put it in a box and call your local wildlife rehabilitation center. Feeding an animal if it is dehydrated or attempting to give it water can also lead to death. When found, do not handle the injured baby or sick wildlife or allow your children to play with them. Stress also kills. Birds that are in shock or are sick can have the appearance of being tame. If it is featherless or furless, it will need a heat source as they cannot produce their own heat and run the risk of going into hypothermia. Their organs eventually begin shutting down and people often try to feed during this dangerous time. Please make sure that you monitor the heat source so that the animal does not burn. Right, and that wraps up our advice from Carlin. Thank you so much. We really hope that it will help our listeners if they find an animal that requires attention. We'll chat to you guys soon in the next episode. Take care, listeners.